Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that we can come into your presence. We thank you that we can meet together and uh, just hang out with you, Lord. And I pray that as I speak tonight the word that you've laid on my heart, that we would just be encouraged, Lord, that we would lift it up, that, Lord, we would have a greater expectation of what you are wanting to do in our life, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who does new things. And uh, you're always stretching us and building us and just loving and blessing us, Lord. So I pray tonight that, Holy Spirit, you would take these words I have to say and that they would bear fruit in our lives, Lord. Just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Return with me to John chapter 4. It would be great. John chapter 4. We're reading through the Bible, we're in the New Testament now, we're in uh, John and I've just been thinking about these two accounts in John chapter 4 and 5 and that's what I want to talk about tonight and a lot of them are at least is about water and so I just want to speak about that tonight but I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 43 just as you've put your finger in John. And verse 18 and 9, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, some of you might have the NIV. It says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I love how God's word is so straight to the point, isn't it? He says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I want to talk tonight about God doing a new thing in our lives, about him bringing forth things in our wilderness where we have got a barrenness in our life or we're feeling disappointed or discouraged and we feel like there is no road through. Well, God's word and God's word to us tonight is that he will make a road in the wilderness for us and he will spring forth rivers in the desert. And tonight I want to talk from John chapter 4 and 5 how Jesus, he brings water. And it's all about the water, his living water of life. And uh, you see the account of the Samaritan woman. And if you've been in church more than five minutes, you would have heard the account of the Samaritan woman. I want to share it again with you. Um, Jesus, he, he had um, he would been walking with his disciples and he came to a, a well, and it's actually Jacob's well, and you can, um, and he came and he sat down and he f- came to, upon a woman from Samaria. She came to draw water, and I'm in verse 7. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is that you, you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And verse 11 says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, 
call your husband and come to her. And uh, she, Jesus had a word for her, a word of knowledge, so straight into her life. And he, she said, well, I have no husband. And he says, I, yes, you have had five husbands, and the man that you live with now is not your husband. And uh, she perceived that he was a prophet. And, uh, she res- and she said, Jesus said to her in verse 20. One, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship where you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I will... I who speak to you is he. Now, when the Samaritan woman received that word, she recognized her sin. She recognized that she'd been living a life that wasn't what God wanted for her. And so she received that living water into her life. And if you continue um, reading the account, she actually ran into the city. She left her water pot. And she ran into the city and she went and told everybody. She said, come and meet someone, a man who told me everything about myself. And uh, so they came and they received Jesus into their lives. And, and, you know, she was a great evangelist for her town because she shared what she had seen and heard. And tonight I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that woman and what Jesus did in her life. And then I want to talk about the man at the pool of Bethsaida and how he also was waiting for something to happen and how, what Jesus did. And it was around water. And if you look in Isaiah, he says that he will bring rivers of living water into the desert, that he will make a road in the wilderness. And if you look at the accounts of these two people in John 4 and 5, you'll see that God made a road in their wilderness, where they were barren, where they had nothing, where they did not respect themselves, where they were down and out. God said, he just came. He came into their life and made a road in the wilderness. And I believe that's a word for us tonight, that God wants to spring up a new thing where we have things that are like a wilderness in our life that God wants to make a way, a road through those things and he wants to spring up rivers in our desert places. Amen? It's, good. it's a good word. And I'm, I just, God just wants to bless us tonight. He wants to love on us. So I just encourage you just to open your heart and say, you know, Lord, whatever you have, you just speak to me. Yeah? Now, the history between the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans went right back. And if you ever read in 2 Kings, you'll find that uh, the Jews were all together and then a couple of the tribes stayed behind and uh, the Assyrians had deported them. And they, they um, stayed behind and they intermarried with people from other nations. And so they started to do this thing that we can think, oh, we wouldn't do that. But you know what? Sometimes we do it. They intermarried. And they served other gods, but they also served Yahweh. They served God. But they also tried to mix it with other things. And so often, we can do the same thing. Yes, we worship you, Lord, but we have other things. We have other gods in our life, other idols, other relationships, other things we do on the side, and that we worship God. You know, the Samaritans, as they became, that's what they were doing. They intermarried and they were influenced by those around them, so much so that they worshipped in the high places, they sacrificed their children, they, you know, went into the temples and did all the despicable things that we think, oh no. And then they would worship Yahweh. And so even right back to Ezra, when the, the remnant went back and rebuilt Jerusalem and all those, and then in the time of Jesus, you'll see that they were despised by the rest of the Jews because they had 
gone and intermarried and, and they were worshipping other gods. But yet they still were waiting for the Messiah, as you see the Samaritan woman um, asking, about, talking about him. And it wasn't that the Jews had no dealings because the disciples had gone off to buy food in the Samaritan city. It was just they didn't sit down and eat and drink with them. And they didn't want to hang out with them because they didn't want to be contaminated by their, what they had done. Okay, so Jesus actually... This story shows us that God finds us worthy of his love in spite of our failings. You know, if you look at the map of Jerusalem, you'll see that Samaria is not the easiest way. He was on his way to Galilee, and um, it wasn't the easiest way to get there going through Samaria. He actually took a, a route to smack himself there at an appointed time, a divine appointment with that Samaritan woman at a well in the middle of the day, at 12 o'clock at noon. It was like a divine appointment where Jesus said, you know what? Yeah, this is the easiest way to get where we're going, but I'm going to go this way first. I love how he does that. You know, we think we're going along and Jesus goes, you know what? You're coming over here so I can have this happen with you. And then you're going to come over here. And that's what he did. He had a divine appointment with that Samaritan woman. He he loved on her and he went out of his way to meet her need. And uh, he values us enough to actively seek us out. That's what we can learn from the story, that he values us enough to actively seek us out, to find us where we're at and to pick us up, to lift us up and to set us on the road and make a road for us in the wilderness. So I love the story of the Samaritan woman because it shows the heart of God, that uh, he loves us so much. And you know, Jesus disregarded lots and lots of social rules to speak to that Samaritan woman. He disregarded, you know, that in that time in the Middle East, women were totally inferior to men. A man did not speak to a woman in public, whether it was his wife, his mother or his sister, they were not spoken to because they were inferior. And no Jew ever spoke to a Samaritan in conversation. They avoided each other and no self-respecting man, especially a teacher or a rabbi, would ever speak to a woman of such reputation. This woman had had five husbands. She was known in the town. She did not go out with the other woman at sunset or sunrise to get, get water. You'll find her in that account at 12 o'clock in the heat of the day, getting water, drawing water for herself so that she did not have to be despised or talked about or whispered about or looked at by the other woman of the town. She came out by herself. And here is Jesus talking to this social outcast who is that woman. I love, I love this account because it shows God's heart for, for mankind. It shows that nobody is too, you know, uncool. Nobody is too down and out. Nobody is too despicable in what they do. No matter what social standing they have, Jesus seeks us out. And it teaches us that we need to be the same way. Because if you read later in Acts chapter 1, it says that Jesus said, go out into all the world, go into Judea and Samaria. He actually sent his disciples into Samaria. He said, you know what? Blow all the social things. Blow what the Jew says. I want you to go to Samaria. I want you to go to the Samaritans and reach in to their world. No matter what social standing says, I want you to reach into them and teach them and show them my love. And he says the same thing to us. He says, go into all the world. That's what the Great Commission was. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and go into your Samarias. Where in your life, where in your world is there Samaria where you go, oh, it's uncomfortable to go there? Well, Jesus says, go there. 
Because he has divine appointments for each one of us to minister into people's worlds, whether it's Samaria or out in Mongolia or out to Africa or up in the gold fields or wherever or down the street or across the road. He, he says that he has divine appointments for us to do. And he says, go into Samaria. And, you know, if you read in chapter in, uh, Acts, it talks about how Philip, he actually went and he started a church, started a mission in Samaria. And it was pretty cool because Philip was the guy that got zooped, you know. He was the one running along beside the chariot. And then all of, he baptized the eunuch. And then, whew, where was he? He was off again. Yeah? And he, he went to Samaria. So if it's good enough for Philip, it's good enough for us. So think about where are your Samarias in your world? Where is it that you go, oh, I don't go there? Because Jesus says that's a place to go. He has things for us to do. And if we sit in our life's little Christian little huddle, you know, while the world is lost and dying and broken out there, we're just as bad as all the people we look down on and go, oh, that was a bit silly. Because Jesus, he wasn't like that. And he calls us to be followers of him. You know, as a result of Jesus' conversation, only a person like the Samaritan woman, an outcast from her own people, could understand how life-changing the truth that Jesus was offering really was. He offered her living water. She was broken. She'd have five husbands. And the man she was with was not her husband. That was a big deal. It would still be a big deal now. She was somebody who had no self-worth in herself to have to constantly, you know, be putting herself in that place. And yet Jesus valued her enough to talk to her. She recognized that he was somebody special. And she recognized when he had a word of knowledge about her, because that's what it was. It was a word of knowledge into her life that she was not living with her husband. Bang. You know, and God will do the same for us. He wants us to just be like Jesus, to be relevant, to strike up a conversation, to sit down and eat and drink with people and to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and speak into people's life. Because when we do that, people who are broken are healed. People who are lost are saved. And that's what God wants us to be like. You know, she did not respect herself and she felt unacceptable and rejected. And her coming to the well in the heat of the day showed that, that she was just like somebody who was an outcast. And all people are valuable to Jesus. And uh, he ministered to the Samaritans and he revealed that people are valuable to God and that we can demonstrate his love the same way to everyone. Now you can sit there and go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. You know, the Samaritan and the Samaritan, you know, that Jesus told the parable about the Samaritan and he, and he went and helped the person. Everybody else walked past. But unless we take God's word... And we take it in, and we take it into our hearts and our minds, and then we do it. We're just hearers of God's word, but we're not doers. And Jesus said, he said, go into all the world. Go into your Samarias. Go into those places where people go and go, oh, what are those people? And speak life and healing into brokenness. And I want us to be a church that has lots of broken people come in, and they get healed. We are not perfect, and none of us have been perfect, but we know what it is to be healed. If there is not a church where God is doing something to heal something, then we're not being a church. If he's not healing people's broken life, then we're not being the church that Jesus wants us to be. And when we read that story of the Samaritan woman, he went out of his way. He could have just gone straight to where he was going, but he went out of his way. In the heat of the day, he sat at that well where it was uncomfortable and it was hot and he was hungry. He, he sat at that well and he waited because he knew that God was going to do something. You know, tomorrow when you jump out of bed, say, Lord, what do you got me to, for me to do today? 
You know, you show me the well that you want me to sit beside. You show me the place that you want me to go and you bring the people. Because if you have an attitude like that, he says, the harvest is right, but the harvesters are few. And I want us to be harvesters where we gather in the lost. I had this vision last night and where we're at um, this worship night and it was this presence of God. And I had this vision. We're singing that we, st- we you know, the blood of Jesus and we stand in the gap and we and we stand and we pull back and we, what was the words about um, robbing the pits of hell? It was taking back the, the things that are in the pit of hell. And I had this vision of me standing at the pit of hell and reaching down, you know, at the edge, at the precipice of it and reaching out and pulling these people who are lost back out of it. And as I did that, I saw a whole lot of us standing all together, pulling these people back out of the pits of hell. You know what? That's what church is about. That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be uncomfortable all the time. And too often we sit and we are comfortable and we go through all week being comfortable in a relationship. You jump out of bed and you put your feet on the Monday morning, God's going to make you uncomfortable because then he's stretching our faith. We're too comfortable. We're far too comfortable. And while we're being comfortable, there's people sinking into the pit. You know, they've got the pit of hell stuff happening in their life. They have relationships. They have stuff that you cannot imagine happening in their homes. They have things in our schools that would make you weep. People are lost and crying out for help, and we are too comfortable. And we've got to be like Jesus where he went out of his way. He went out of his way, and he sat in the heat of the day. Now, if anybody's been to Israel, it can get pretty hot. Or if you've been to the desert, how hot is it up where you are? <laughs> hot. It gets hot and you don't go out in the heat of the day. But it's a, it's a sign for us. It's like an analogy of whether it's uncomfortable or not. Jesus, he had a reason for being there to speak into that woman's life and to set her free and to give her rivers of living water and to fill her up where she had been broken, so she wasn't broken anymore. And then you know what she did? She went and told everybody else, come and hear a man who told me everything about myself. And Samaritans got saved left, right and centre. That city got saved. Why? Because Jesus went out of his way in the heat of the day when it was uncomfortable, where he could have gone the shorter way and he said, let's go here. Where he was hungry and he sat down and he said, you know what, I'm waiting here. I'm waiting because somebody's coming. And if you listen up to the Holy Spirit, I tell you what, He's going to give us divine appointments every day. If we say, you know, we get so busy. You know, if the devil can't get us sinning, he'll get us busy. Because then we're so distracted that we don't have time to do the work of the Lord. If you can't get you sinning, it gets you busy. Yeah? And we don't want to be too busy to do what we're here. God has a plan and a purpose and it's so much bigger and grander. And I tell you what, you lead somebody to the Lord is the biggest buzz. It is the biggest buzz to lead somebody to the Lord and then disciple them. You know what? I look at these guys and I just say, yes, my life is worth something. You know, my life is of value and it's of value in him and doing what he asked me to do. So if you've never shared the gospel, you know, Get one of the white Jesuses, flick to the back. It has the Lord's Prayer. Stick it in your bag, stick it in your pocket and take it with you. Lord, show me somebody who needs to know you. It's just taking a step, putting yourself out. Make yourself uncomfortable. Make yourself uncomfortable because that's how we change. You know, if you're saying, oh, just, you know, it's a bit blah. I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. But it's comfortable. We're not to be comfortable. We're meant to be stretched on the inside and bigger, to be bigger at the end of the year on the inside than we are right now.
And that's what Jesus shows us in this, in this account is that he made himself uncomfortable so that he would minister to this woman and show her his love. And uh, how did he do it? He did it through actively seeking her out, putting himself in a place where he could talk to the lost. Now think about your week. Do you actively seek out the lost to talk to? Or do you just, in your little circle, and that's all you do? Jesus actively sought out the lost. Do you? Do we actively seek out, put ourselves in places where the lost are? Because we can be very churchy, and that's nice and comfortable. But Jesus, he wasn't churchy. He upset the churchy. So first thing he did was he actively sought people out. Then he engaged in conversations. He said, can I have a drink? He just talked to her in a relevant way. So he engaged in a conversation with her. And then he was relevant to them and their situation. And he actually spoke into her life. And if you listen up, God will speak. You'll get this little, oh, I know this. Or I should say this. And it would be a heart. It'll be, boo, 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 you know, it'll be beating. Just say it. If you're wrong, who cares? You know, the Lord loves people. He loves them so much that he gave his life that none would be lost. So say, Lord, what do you want me to speak into this person's life? Have you got something to say? And it could be just a little thing, but you just don't know. You just don't know what a difference you can make. So speak words of truth. So actively seek people out. Get into conversation with them. Be relevant. Don't be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's churchy language, you know. Listen to who they're, what they're saying. And then, like Philip shared a couple of weeks ago, it's like somebody's having a hard time, a hard week. Say, hey, can I pray with you? And just pray. Or can I pray for you? And then follow them up. People want to know that God is real. They think he's out there and he's not real. They have no understanding that he is a God that you can feel and experience and who speaks to us and comforts us. They have no idea. They just see the enemy's lie that all the bad stuff is God's fault. They don't know that he's real and they won't know unless somebody shares it and shows them. So actively seek them out, get in into conversation, be relevant and then speak words of comfort and life into their situation. I dare you this week to do that. Be followers. We're going to be followers of Jesus, not just fans. Followers do what Jesus did. Yeah? And he'll set our worlds upside down. And you'll get to the end of your life and go, wasn't that a blast? Hallelujah. Yeah, and it goes so fast. What is the month? Is April already? Let's make the rest of this year such a blast, such uncomfortable for us. Make yourself uncomfortable. You know, and, and us melancholies, we love to be comfortable. And we're just like, oh, you know. But Jesus is coming. Come on, go. Go into all the world and make disciples. And i tell you what, your life will never be the same. And you'll sit back and you'll be in glory with the Lord. Go, look at that. Look at her. I led her to you, Lord. And whoa. Yeah? And that's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. And you know, people's lives and their families and the people they marry and their relationships, it's just completely different. From, from not knowing him to knowing him is completely different. I am so grateful to the people who shared Jesus in my life. Yeah? for my mum who shared Jesus, for the youth workers who shared Jesus, for those who walked beside me, for the Holy Spirit who ministered to me. And I, I um, had a vision last night. I was um, in, a, in the church that um, 
I had been in when something hard had happened. And I, sometimes when you go back to that place, you can be reminded. You, tr- you go transfer straight back to where, where you're at at the time. And I could feel this lump in my chest. And I'm like, oh, Lord, just heal me of that. And uh, just in his presence, I, he, I could just feel that being lifted off. And it was like it's just, choo, it's back there. The former things are past. And then I saw this vision of, you know, we're, we're singing this song, Fill Me Up. And I was like, Lord, just fill me up. And he says, I've always been filling you up. And, and I saw this vision of when all through the significant times in my life, when I was seven years old and I had this revelation that Jesus is coming back. And so every night I'd pull back the curtains and I'd look up into the sky and there'd be, you know, I lived on a farm so there's no other lights. There was just stars everywhere. And I'd say, Mum, is he coming back tonight? She'd go, oh, I don't know. But she got excited listening to my excitement. Then I'd get on the bus and I'd share, did you know Jesus is coming back with my whole school bus? And I was like a little mini evangelist. I was about this high. And, and I saw... I saw this vision of the Holy Spirit just filling me up then. And then I saw him anoint, you know, when I was anointed as a pastor and I saw him filling me up. And then I saw where, you know, I'd had ministry time and I'd been this amazing presence of God and God speaking to me and filling me up. I was like, oh, that's so nice. And then I saw straight after that the times where I'd been through hard times, the times where I'd lost babies and yet he was filling me up. The times where I lost my brother and he died and I saw myself. And the times where I had, you know, just weeping and going, God, it's so hard. And, he, and I said, Lord, where were you in those times? And he said, I was still filling you up. I was still filling you up with my compassion and my love and my strength. You know, Jesus is always with us and he's always filling us up. In the hard times, he's filling us with his strength. And the hard times, he's filling us with his compassion. And the good times where God is calling you and anointing you, he's filling you with his power and his presence. He's always filling us up. And I had this revelation, and it gave me perspective, no matter what happens, that God is there and he's filling us up. When my brother died, I could see he was filling me up with compassion and strength. When bad things happen, God is still there filling us with what we need. And sometimes we don't see it till later, and we see the work that God has done in us. <laughs> but uh, I just want to encourage us to reach out, to reach out and put... Make ourselves uncomfortable. We don't want to be fat, comfortable Christians. You know, we don't want to be lukewarm. You know, Revelation says we don't want to be hot nor cold. We're lukewarm and God spits us out of his mouth because it's like, yeah. We want to be on fire. You know, they shared last night about that set of fire on the inside of me and about the center of fire is white hot. And it's like hot, hot. And that's what God wants us to be in the center of his fire, his consuming fire. And all the things that are not of him, all the things that are dross, all the things that are just weighing us down, the sin that so easily entangles us, the Bible says, the cares and worries and the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of other things, they're like the things that God's consuming fire. When you get in the middle of his fire, the Holy Spirit, those are the things that are burnt off. And what is left by his refining fire is his awesomeness, his power, his strength, his compassion passion and his soul winning motivation that's what is left and we get to this place where we just want to be comfortable and God's going I can't use you if you're comfortable you've got to be uncomfortable so that it's like oh yeah that's good but oh you know sometimes when you get people in the Holy Spirit they go oh that's what it is it's his consuming fire on them going oh yes that's good but ouch but it's that stuff 
coming off so that there's white hotness on the inside of you. You know what? You look at the lives of the disciples, they were not comfortable. But boy, they had a glorious time. You know, they raised the dead. They healed blind eyes. They opened deaf eyes. They cast out demons. Tell you what, they had a whirl of a time. I get excited just reading about it. I say, yes, God, that's what it's all about. Not all this, you know, we come and and then we go out Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, church again. No way. God wants us to be white hot on fire to him. And when we go out, that we're setting a fire. We're setting a fire everywhere we go. You know, that's what he wants us to be like, his firebrand. And that's what he did there, the Samaritan. He sat in the heat of the day and went out of his way and set a fire in the town of Samaria. Now, we need to set a town in the city of Coburn. Wherever you go, that people will know you've been there. That when you get out of bed, as we've said before, the devil goes, oh, no, they're awake. Yeah? Not, oh, yeah. Oh, they'll be all right. They're not too much bother to me. We want to be a bother. Amen? Amen. You can get excited later. You know, that woman, she left her water pot. It says that Jesus shared with her and said, I am he who you are seeking. I am the living water. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, the one have you have been waiting for. And she got so excited that she left her water pot and she ran into the city and spoke to the people and said, I have met him, the Messiah. And you know what? We have water pots. We have little vessels that we carry around and stuff that just we carry around thinking, oh, this is going to fill me up. This is going to be enough. This will make me happy. And we're like that woman with a water pot pulling up. And Jesus is he's saying, leave your water pot and receive my living water. So I want to ask you tonight, what is your water pot that you're carrying around? What are the things that is, is weighing you down so you can't just leave it and run? Because you've got living water. You don't need a water pot. You don't need the stuff that the world says is going to make you full and complete. You don't need relationships that aren't from him. You don't need all the trappings of what the world says is successful. What is your water pot that you are carrying? You know, the Samaritan woman was a water pot. She had, she was carrying a load of unacceptance, of rejection, of sin, of cares, of worries. And that was her water pot. And I want to ask you tonight, what is your water pot? What is it that you carry around that makes you thirst? You know, she was drinking from that water pot and she was still thirsty and Jesus offered her something else and she grabbed hold of it and she left that water pot. And when we want to run with Jesus, we want to run the life he has for us, we've got to leave our water pots. We've got to leave our past behind, the former things behind, and we've got to go, you know what, that's there but I'm going to run to you. I'm going to take everything you have. You have a road through the wilderness and you have rivers in the desert, so I don't need any old water pot. And that was what she did because she left it. She left it at the well and she ran to tell everybody else. What's your water pot? What's your thing that weighs you down? You're carrying around thinking, I need this when you've got Jesus. We don't need anything but him. We are complete in him, he says. He wants to change us from glory to glory, the Bible says. We don't need some old water pot when we've got rivers of living water offered to us. We don't need what the world says makes us complete or worthy or of value because we have Jesus and he's better than some old water pot. 
And that's what that woman, she realised, you don't need all that stuff. I don't need it. I've got rivers on the inside of me and I want to go and tell it. And if I have to carry that water pot, I can't run. I'm, you know, it's on my head and I'll be, and I can't run. And so often in our life, we're carrying stuff and we can't run because we're trying to run with things and we can't. And we're weighed down and we get wearied and we get tired and we splash ourselves about, you know, and we, and we just wonder why we're so tired and it's because we're carrying stuff that we think we need when we don't need anything but Jesus. You know, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things will be added unto you, but you've got to seek me first. You've got to seek me first. And too often we're like that Samaritan woman. We're carrying things thinking we need it and here Jesus is offering all we need all we need. And he's saying, take it and let's run. You're going to have a rip-roaring, awesome life, but you've got to let go of that stuff in the past. You've got to let go of the things you think you need and just take me. And I'm going to give you everything you ever needed, everything you ever desired. I'm going to turn your world round about spinny. You know, God loves spinning. He says that he spins around us. When the Bible says that he rejoices over us, of singing he actually means he's spinning around over us. So he likes turning things upside down and round about because he does it when he sees you. What is it that holds you back from running? What is it that you think, I need that, just like that water pot was to her? And she realised she left it. Isn't it funny how God just speaks to you from one line of scripture? That water pot symbolised everything that she thought she needed and she put herself out to get it in the heat of the day when it was stressful for her to do it. And she was like, I need this. And yet when she received Jesus, she left it behind. Good word, eh? We can leave leave all that stuff behind because we've got Jesus. What are you thirsty for? Because Jesus says, I'll fill those barren places. I'm not going to go to the account of the other guy in John chapter 5 because he's another sermon. But uh, what are you thirsty for? What is it that... You try to fill your life with. Is it relationships? Is it food? Is it partying? Is it sex? Is it just wanting to be keeping endlessly busy because you think that's going to just quiet down the hunger and longing in your heart? What is it that you are thirsting for that you are trying to fill with other things? Because until we face that, until we face that reality, you know what? I haven't been letting his rivers of living water flow in my life because I've been trying to fill it with other things. I've been trying to fill my life with other things and I've actually been thirsting and hungering after other things when I've got all I need in him. What is it that fills our life? Because God wants to do a new thing in us and for us to not keep looking at our old selves because he wants to transform us. And if we keep on looking back and going, oh, but I need that. If we keep on looking around about and looking at what everybody else has got and saying, oh, I need that, we're going to miss out what God has for us. He says, I have a plan and a purpose for each one of us and we just got to keep our eyes on him and seek him first. And if we compare ourselves to other people, we're always going to fall in a hole and we're going to miss what God has for us. And if we keep on trying to carry our water pot, we're going to be so weighed down because those things get heavy. They get heavy. And we're not going to be able to run the race that God has set for us to run. He says, I have planned good works in advance for each of you to do. He's planned it. For the moment you were conceived, he said he had a plan for each one of us. Pretty cool. 
From the moment you're in your mother's womb, he saw you and he knows you and he had a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He knows each one of our days it's written down in his book. And he says, you know what, Taja, I've got this awesome work for you to do. I want you to go and talk to this person and just share my word and my love with them. You know what? But if Taja gets too busy worrying about other things, she's not going to hear the Holy Spirit saying that and she's going to miss it and miss the opportunity. So we're going to jump out of bed every morning and say, hello, I'm awake, Lord. Here I am, use me. And if you, that is your prayer, I tell you what, your weeks will never be the same. And it won't be you'll get to the end of the week and feel like empty or go, what is life all about? Because you'll know your plan and purpose. And that's what God wants to have every day that it counts. We're in April. Let's have some fun for the rest of the year. Yeah? Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for your word that brings light and truth to us. I thank you that it inspires us and sets a fire on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just ignite that fire, ignite that fire on the inside of us, that you are all we need, that we are complete in you. Lift off burdens, Lord. Lift off the weights that we carry that so easily entangle us. Lord, forgive us where we have had water pots that we're trying to fill thirsty ground in our hearts with something other than you. Lord, we just want to lay aside those things. We want to lay aside those water pots and let them just, just leave them and run the race that you have set for each one of us. Lord, I pray for divine appointments for each one of us this week. Lord, that you would make us uncomfortable. That's a bold prayer, but I'm going to pray it. Lord, make us uncomfortable so that we would be soul winners. As your word said, there is a mighty blessing on those who share your word. How sweet and good is those who bring good news. Lord, help us to get up on the mountaintop when we're getting down in the trenches too much and can't see the vision and the plan that you have for us. Help us to stand up on the mountain and see the plan and purposes that you have for us. And know that in you we have all we need. Lord, I pray rivers of living water in each person, Lord, that you would just fill each person, Lord, with your Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill each one of us. Fill each one of us. Shara, can I just get you to come and just sing that song that you were singing before? I just want us to sit in God's presence. Too often we hear God's word and then we rush off. And this doesn't have any words up because it's a new song, but you know, it talks about just thinking about who God is and who I am in him. And like lifting off the burdens because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So often we carry things, those water pots that we don't need to because we're trying to fill it with other things in our life. So as Shara sings, and just, just close your eyes and say, Lord, just show me where I've been thirsting for other things, where I needed to just be thirsty and hungry after you. Come Holy Spirit, just move amongst us, Lord, with your sweetness, with your gentleness. Lift off burdens and fill us with your presence. Just worship him and focus upon him for this few minutes. (laughs) 